0: Praise God. Look like they had fun. Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out, church. And just throw that baby open right now. And I'll get going in just a minute. I'm going to start a new series this morning. I don't know how long it's going to take. But uh, title of the message is What's Normal? What's Normal? I've been wanting to preach this for a couple of months and, and just waiting for the Lord to let the reins down and let me do it. And so I'm going to have some fun this morning, and uh, I, hope, I hope you get some plenty of ammunition this morning to, do, to talk to people in the world and tell people what's going on. But uh, anyway, I don't know if y'all have noticed, but you know what we used to call normal is not normal anymore. Right. Hello? I went to San Antonio the other day, first time in a good while. I don't usually go to town. I do everything I can to avoid it. And, uh, but I had to go to town and went to San Antonio and walking around a little bit. And I, you know, I thought the circus is in town there for a little bit. <laughs> and I came home, told my wife about it. And she said, well, Robert, that's pretty much just normal, you know. And I said, ain't normal to me. You know, it's something not, something not right. I mean, this is crazy. I said, I saw things that I shouldn't have seen. And uh, that was just in a nice place. I wasn't like I was down there in the, you know, the, the bad part of town. I was in the good part of town. And I was just like, whoa. So anyway. So I, I know y'all know this, and, and I'm not trying to be an alarmist or anything like that. I'm trying to, I'm trying to empower you as a church, and for everyone listening out there, you got to understand, church is a lot bigger than what we've got sitting in here this morning. You know, there's a lot of people watching the broadcast and watching the podcast, and so there's a lot larger church out there. And I want to I go to heaven and be able to stand before Jesus and say, I preach the gospel to the people that you gave me to preach the gospel to. That's what my goal is in life. And so... It's pretty easy and pretty evident to see the things that are going on. We see major crises like what's going on in the Ukraine. People are dying. I mean, for those of you that don't know, you know, I spent a lot of time. I've spent years over in the Ukraine preaching the gospel. And and so it breaks my heart every time I see a town that's being attacked and what's going on. Because I was there. I know what it was like. I know what the people are like. And and so it breaks my heart. But to see that that's what's going on with that. We see evil and wickedness going on all over the world. We see right now that because America is weak... That the the bad guys, the evil and the evil, the one that the that the enemy's working through, the evil in the world is rising up. We see everybody flexing their their muscles, rattling their swords, you know, t- trying to take over countries, do this, all this kind of stuff like that, shooting rockets into Israel, trying to destroy Israel, trying to do this, trying to do that. It's all going on. And it's the reason why it's happening is it? because for the very first time. America is the is a weak nation. We're not we're not a strong nation. We're not being who we always have been, whether it's right or not, whether you agree with it or not. America has formed itself into being like the police force of the world. As long as we had a strong presidency, we had a strong president. The bad guys kind of held ourselves in check. It's like Israel. The one thing I love about Israel, you know, Hamas will shoot a rocket over. And it hits in the middle of a plowed field and Israel launches all their jets, goes over there and blows everything up. It's like, you're going to mess with us. You're going to get a hurt. Well, that's the way it's always been. America's always been the great police force. We've gone around the world. I mean, as far back as, you know, you want to go. Uh, and that's what we've we've been. But now we're a, a weak nation. We're a nation that's that's turning from God. We're a nation that no longer honors our covenant with our, that our forefathers made with God Almighty to form America, all right? And so I know I'm talking to good folks here. I know I'm talking to people that are probably listening to me on the broadcast and people in here today, you know, I'm not talking to the normal church, and I'll show you even why here more in a minute. But uh, so don't, don't, I'm not trying to beat you. I'm preaching. I'm just telling you the truth. You got to, you got to wake up to this reality. This is what's happening. Evil's on the rise. California's putting forth a bill right now. Uh, I think it's 22223 uh, bill uh, where it's coming out of San Francisco, but it's a panel uh, of legislators. Uh, there was 14 on the uh, panel 11 voted for, three against an uh, abortion bill that would go forth that would allow you, this is the truth, you can go look it up, I'm not making this up, that would allow a, a person to have an abortion 20 day, 28 days after the child was born. Yes. They're fighting it and they're fighting it and they're going up there and you can go look at it, there's a bunch of people against it, but there was 11 people on this this you know, uh, congressional district that said we should do it, 11 of 14. And I'm like, how could anybody think that? How could anybody think that a child being born, if you killed it, it wouldn't be murder? How could that be? But you see, when you go into evil and you start walking and things like that, then all of a sudden that gets to be no problem. If you go look at the, the, the war going on in the Ukraine, there's a group called the Wagner Group that was hired by, Putin to go in there. They're nothing but mercenaries and killers. I saw some statistics on them, and they said that seventy percent of them are sociopaths. That they just want to kill. They just they they're sociopaths picked out, brought in, made mercenaries that can do this, and they just send them in to kill. And that most of the atrocities that are taking place with the with uh, the killing of people, you know, they're finding mass graves, five, six, seven, nine hundred, thousand people dead in mass graves, and so they just went in and just kill civilians. Well. We look at that and say, that's not right, that's not normal, but that person has created that to be a normal because they're a sociopath and they want to do it and nobody stops them. And so therefore they want to kill and that they, they can go do it. They got a place. All right. <clears throat> Here's worse. Okay? This is to me grieves my heart. And you can go look all this up. I'm not, I'm not just pulling this stuff up. I'm not just making this stuff. I'm not just being some conspiracy theorist person. I'm telling you, this is what's going on in the world today. So statistics say that only 10% of the churches in America, only 10% of the churches in America today, only 10% of the churches in America today will preach a salvation message because they want no one offended. They're working upon social agendas. They're wanting to grow their people, their churches and the sizes of their churches so that they can bring in money and they can have money to go and do and feel good that they're, they're, they're doing large. But only 10% of those churches will preach on salvation or the Holy Spirit right. or the rapture of the church or any biblical prophecies. They will never touch any of that because it's not a social agenda. It's not something that causes people to be uncomfortable. If people come to church and you tell them that they're not saved, they might go to hell. People don't want to hear that they won't go to that church, right? So they leave. But there's only 10% that will stand up today and preach the gospel and tell people that salvation is through Jesus Christ. That's sad, folks. That's grievance. That grieves my heart that, that, only, that people will come up and call themselves Christians but won't tell people how to become Christians. It's ridiculous. All right, here's the thought I encourage you this morning, church. <clears throat> the report, there's a report in Christianity Today by the American Bible Society. It says that 50, it always has been 50% of Americans read their Bibles. When I first saw that, I was like, great, 50%. But when you read, look at that, it meant that 50% of Christians right? Because you wouldn't be doing it if you weren't. Pick up their Bible three or four times in a year and look at it. So that's going to be, they read the Christmas story, Easter, maybe somebody's birthday, you know, anniversary, I don't know. But only three or four, a funeral, there you go, a funeral. Only three or four times in a year will they pick their Bible up, but 50% of them did it, all right? But as of last year, during the COVID pandemic, it dropped by 26 million people quit reading their Bible. The three or four times a year. But now here's good news for you, because you want to show you where you're at in life. If you're following the plan, if you've been following the plan like we have here at church, we're reading our Bibles every day and going through that. If you've been doing that for the last couple of years, we've been doing that. You're within, you are the top 10 percentile of America. There's only 10 percent of Americans read their Bible every day. So if you're reading your Bible every day, pat yourself on the back because you are in the top 10 percentile of Christians in America. Just because you opened your Bible and read it. So good news and bad news, right? <laughs> good news because you can say, hey, I'm in the top 10. I'm in the top 10 percent. Bad news because there's only 10 percent reading their Bible. Okay. Why would it go down during the times of COVID? That's what doesn't make any sense to me. It didn't make any sense to the researchers either under the times of stress and duress of what's going on in COVID. They quit reading their Bible. All right, so now here we go. Go to Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight. I wanted to give you those cheery figures this morning, so that you would know the world in which we live in. Second Thessalonians two eight. It says, "And then the lawless one be, will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of His mouth and destroy with the brightness of His coming." Now, just put this in there, okay? <clears throat> you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to go join a team, I would want to join the team that is known for being the best, right? So if, if, if team Jesus, he's coming back, and when the, the biggest, baddest dude that can come from the pit of hell, the Antichrist, is opposing Jesus, and when Jesus just comes back, and with his breath, And the brightness of his countenance, he destroys him. I want to be on the King Jesus team. Amen. I don't want to get on the guy that just go and he's gone. He goes on, he says, in the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all powers, signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. I want, to, I want to expand on that a little bit. They didn't receive the love of the truth of God's word. They didn't receive the love of what the truth is. They stayed in torment. They stayed in delusion. They didn't believe God loved them. They didn't stay in the truth that God loves them. Hello? All right. They wouldn't walk in the truth. And so it says that they perished. There are people today not walking in the truth. There are people today who are going around and believing that they can do what they want to do and everything's going to be okay. Okay. So let me tell you this. Now, here we go. There's this word I ran across. Y'all may have already all known it, but I didn't know it. Okay. And I got to laugh because I got this out of a gun magazine I was reading in there an article about a self-defense deal, and uh, and this word popped up, and I was like, hi, what's that word? And I started researching the word, and then that got me off on this whole message, so I actually got this message out of a gun magazine. It's called normalcy bias. You may have heard this word. It was new to me, or you know, it's not something I run across all the time. Normal, yeah, but normalcy biased, okay? So normalcy bias, and I want to explain a little bit more here, but it, it's... It, is being turned on America today, or really the world, but I'm focusing on us. It's being turned on us to create a normal of what society is calling a normal and get you to accept it. So the enemy is using this technique on you. If you've noticed, TV commercials have changed, television has changed, things that you would have never seen in even 1970 on television. Now you see, there's all kinds of stuff going on. You look at it and you say, what? And, you you know, it's pretty bad we had to censor commercials. Okay? But it's all to just get you off the mark. It's not to, look, the devil's not stupid enough to come in dressed in his uh, you know, and, and see him in, in, with his pitchfork and, you know, cloven hooves and a, t- a tail coming out the back and running around everybody's But ah, it's a devil. Right. Okay. But if he sneaks in just subtly a little bit and just gets you to get off a little bit, then as you keep traveling off that little bit path, well, then you end up later on down the road a long ways off the mark. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. I look this up. Again, this is all, I mean, you can just go in there and search the internet and you can find this stuff. I'm not pulling this out of, you know, the sky. Well, I guess I am. (laughs) The world's first television commercial. It was by Bulova Watch Company. The ad lasted for 10 seconds. Okay? It cost them $4 to make it. No, excuse me, it cost them $4 to to put it on the television and $9 to create it. And about 4,000 people in New York saw it. That was the first one. It was on a Dodgers game, I think, or something like that. So, in the world, we see we got four types of advertising, right? We got print, the printed page, radio, television, and internet. Well, internet's probably the biggest thing right now today that's going out. Newspapers are going out and that kind of stuff. But internet is probably the biggest thing that most people see. So, what it is, is let me just throw a few things at you here. All right? I started looking up the most successful television commercials or commercials. Didn't have to be TV because it could be internet. And so, the first one that popped up was Nike. Nike shoes, you know? So, how many of you y'all on here know what the, the, the saying of Nike is? Nike's saying is? Yes, do it. Huh, see, you know it. Well, in 1988, that was before they came out with the commercial, Just Do It, and started promoting Just Do It, Just Do It, Just Do It, Just Do It. They show, different scenes, but always Just Do It, Just Do It, Just Do It was what you heard. Just Do It, Just Do It, Just Do It. Then you related Just Do It to Nike. So, that created a normalcy bias. In 1988 when they started their sales there were sales were about 800 million and they were really only selling to the sports world because that's who bought their shoes. And so then they created these commercials and put normal people in shoes or other athletes in shoes and started running these commercials Nike just do it and by 1998 they were a 9.2 billion dollar company. So see they got everybody to say Wear Nikes and I'll be an athlete. So they got this normalcy bias going that you go buy, go buy Nike shoes, put them on, and next thing you know, thunk, ta-da, you're healthy. All right, here's another one. Wendy's. Okay, so how many knows the slogan of Wendy's? Wendy's is what? Where's the beef? So they came out, they found a niche. Somehow or another, they dropped one more piece of hamburger in there. Burger and then said we got more beef in ours than they got in theirs, and so where's the beef? And they had you remember that? They had the all those deals are about where's the, beef, where's the beef, where's the beef, where's the beef, right? Now this one I I I love because it's one of the most popular and and successful commercials ever. How many of y'all remember growing up there was the owl, big glasses on? Y'all with me? What do you have? Tootsie, Tootsie Puff, Puff. Puff, right? And what's the what was the saying? What was the how many licks does it take to get to the middle of a Tootsie Pop? One, two, three, crunch. Right? See, we remember that stuff. That came out so, far, so long ago, but we remember it. Why? Because he kept hammering it in. We saw the owl. We saw the Tootsie Pop. We saw the licks. Makes you want to go buy a Tootsie Pop. Right now, y'all are all part of that. I wish I had a Tootsie Pop. Should have had some just giving them to y'all so y'all be quiet and still listen to me and suck on your Tootsie Pop. But you're all thinking, all you're thinking about is now, man, I'm hungry. I want a Wendy's. But anyway, nobody's thinking about going to buy Nikes and running. Ah, I'm going to buy me some shoes and run this afternoon. No. But... My point is, is that these things came before us and they were put up in our eyes. And then all of a sudden, when you went, you, the, the thought was implanted in you about the Tootsie Roll and that there's a chocolate in the center of it. And you're going to get to it and you're going to lick it and you're going to suck on it and get down to it. Right. And you began to think this. And so it began to be the normal thing. So then as you can, it was your normalcy bias. Then you would go buy a Tootsie Pop. That was how it was formulated for it was to sell. Right. They weren't about our health or anything of this nature. It was about sales. Well, the devil's not stupid. He does the same thing. He goes in and he starts putting stuff before you and putting stuff before you and putting stuff before you until after a while you start to accept it as normal. All right. Let me give you an example. You're, you're, you're raised by parents who fight. The parents come in, they, 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 yell and scream at each other. They cuss in front of the kids. You were raised in front of that. They throw plates, they throw glasses. they throw pots and pans. So then you become, you live them, you're raised in that. You just, you just assume that you're a loud household. And so that, that's the normal because you've developed a normalcy bias. Then you get married to somebody. And so whichever way it goes, husband or wife, you get, they get married. And then the next time, the first time they get in a fight, then they go for the dishes and the other person is like, what are you doing? Because they weren't raised like that. Hello? And so the, 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 the newlyweds are saying, what, you're crazy. There's something wrong with you. I didn't know you were crazy. But they, what do you mean? This is not the way you fight? This is not the way you do it? You don't cuss and scream at each other? No, I wasn't raised in a household like that. We don't do that. We don't fight. We don't. No, 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 we don't do that. We, we, we handle things differently. But the other person, it seems like that's the normal. And you try to tell them that it's not right. And they're like, whoa, what do you mean it's not right? This is the way I was raised, this is the way we do it. Hello? All right. So you begin to accept things as normal. That's what's happening to us today. Now, I, I mean, don't get mad at me over this. I'm just telling you my, I'm just telling you my normal, okay? Whenever I traveled around the world, I saw anybody with a mask on. If I saw somebody with the mask on, I immediately got, whoa, that sucker's sick. <laughs> got you know got the somethings I mean, you you follow me that's what my thinking was to have a mask on I knew they weren't a doctor that just forgot to take their mask off from the hospital so I saw him and I was like man that dude's got tuberculosis or something you know but then now all of a sudden if you don't have a mask on then you're the bad guy all right. yeah. because you have no sensitivity towards others Right. And they've turned this whole thing around and trying to make the normal is wearing a mask. I also grew up when people had on masks. They were bad people because they were going to rob a bank or hold you up. They had a mask on their face so that you, they could not be seen. Right. That was my normal. I remember when this first took place and, and back in 2020, I drove down our street and looked over at the bank. And I saw three guys going into the bank with red bandanas on their face. <laughs> and I laughed. I'm like, really? I mean, really? Is this, is this our new normal? That you have to wear, you have to be a bat, mask with a bandit's bandana on your face to go into the bank? I want my money. But you see what I'm saying? Our world's gotten rocked and changed and they're trying to say that's the normal. And so as you, as the devil sees this and, and he goes along with this, he's trying to get you to accept things as normal. Yes, right. Now, let me get a little bit more into this. When we begin to accept things as normal, we enter into a phase called denial. Yes. You know what's wrong, but yes. but the bottom line is you're just... You're just in denial. When we believe our streets are safe, then we deny that harm will come to us. You can have this. No, everything's okay. It's all right. I mean, I I go down there all the time. Like I say, I went down there the other day on the streets and the circus is out. (laughs) Let's get rid of our police and everything will be better. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, I don't think that's right. Don't get me to try to accept that normal. And some of y'all might not like this one, but when we believe our doctors know best, we begin to deny there's another choice. When we believe our leaders, governments, have our best, then we begin to deny there's maybe other motives behind this. Knowing that only 10% of the churches preach the gospel, when we believe our church denominations know best All right. or the preacher knows best just because he's been to seminary, then we deny the truth of God's word. Yep. We believe that the normal experience would overtake the abnormal one. So we don't act. Maybe. If we Christians sit around and never raise our voice, All right. never rise up and say, that's not right. That's not right. We're not going to do that. When It's not right to kill a baby 28 days. It's not right to kill a baby anywhere, but 28 days there, it's murder, and you should go to prison. Right. If we don't say anything, then you begin to develop that as your normalcy bias. You're just letting it go by. You don't act. You're in denial. Right. We begin to believe falsely that the return to normalcy would be swift. This is normalcy bias at work. And it's behind some of the most devastating tragedies in the human experience. Now, normalcy bias is also called status quo bias. I love this one. Or the ostrich effect. You just stick your head in the sand and hope it's all going to go away. So I'm not asking you this morning to, to believe me, Robert Richards. I'm asking you this morning to believe the Word of God and what the Word of God says is true. Okay, I'm asking you to seek it out for yourself, the truth of God's word. I'm not asking you to take what I'm saying as correct. I'm asking you to seek it out yourself this morning, okay? So, I want to show you Jesus. Jesus is my hero. I want to show you what Jesus set about as what's normal. Because Jesus came to shake the world up. Go look at Matthew 10, 34. Matthew 10, 34. He said, do not... Think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. This is Jesus speaking. (coughs) Excuse me. For I have come to set a man against his father and his daughter against his mother and his daughter-in-law against his mother-in-law, and his man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We have in a world today, because of weak preachers preaching in the pulpits and churches not doing what they're supposed to do, putting out in front of people social justices and social things and trying to make everybody happy. And, oh, okay, you want to do that? Okay, well, go ahead. We'll find, some way to, we'll find a loophole around it in the Bible somehow. We'll still get you into heaven. It'll be okay. And we start coming up with all these crazy, crazy things as they keep getting more and more and more because the, when, you, when you give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. Okay. All right? And so Jesus said, look, this is the way it is. You're going to have to lose your life or lose your thinking or lose your your opinion in the matter if you really want to walk with me. In other words, it's God's way or the highway, right? It's God's way. There's no other way. He says it. That's it. So somebody has a problem, you go to the Word, you find what the Word says, you read it, and then you either believe it or you don't. There's no other way. There's no, there's no gray area to come. slipping. well, you know. And when Christians finally realize this and stand up and say, that's wrong, you cannot kill a baby. That's, right. that's wrong, we are not doing that. That's wrong, no. We're not, you know, right now there's a bill in Florida They're they're trying to pass a bill that just simply says that you're not going to teach children from pre-K to third grade sex education. Now, the first thing I think of is, what are you talking about anyway? Right? Right. That's all the bill was supposed to say. You can't do that because they want to teach our children things that are not right, that are not biblical, that are are ungodly, and they want to take and teach that so that that becomes the norm. Do you see this, church? It's the tactic of the enemy. Listen, forget about it. It is not about politics. I've told you this for years now. This is not about politics. This is not about Democrats versus Republicans. This is about the devil trying to work his way in to get America and everybody sided off over onto his side so they will miss the mark and miss heaven. It's about heaven and hell, folks. I'm telling you, there's nothing else on it. There's no way to even look at any different. And I know there's good people get caught up in things and they get deceived. Yes, and that's why we've got to be preaching. But if there's no preachers out there, if there's nobody telling people the good news, if there's nobody out there telling people that what, what the road they're going down is going to lead to destruction, then what's going to happen? They're all going to fall off the, hill, the, the deep end. So Jesus said there's no way. Listen, there's no way. There's co- no compromise. It's my way and there's no other way. All right? Look at Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Y'all still with me? We've had a total breakdown in our society. Most of us out here, you know, we're in the country and we have a different viewpoint, a different way of thinking than than a lot of people and uh, of what's right and what's wrong. But we've had a whole total, complete breakdown in society and and children have been taught by the television and the Internet of what's right, not by parents basing it upon God's Word. All right? And so we've gotten ourselves into this situation. So Jesus said Matthew 24, 3, "'As He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately, saying, "'Tell us, when will these things be? "'And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age?' And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that, you, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars and see that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these things are, of the, are the beginning of sorrows. Then he will deliver you up tribulation they'll kill you and then you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake then many will be offended will be betrayed will betray one another they will hate one another many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold he who endures to the end shall be saved this is the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come now, Jesus told this. So it's going to happen. If you want to know what what the end result will be as a Christian, you're going to be hated by everybody. I'm sorry. I mean, I can't paint a real pretty picture here if you want to say, oh, I just want everybody to like me. I'm telling you, they ain't going to like you. And you got to come to this place Well, if we lost our lives to Jesus, then we don't really have any Life to lose, right? Yeah. I mean, he told us this is what's going to happen. Yeah. So as a Christian, there's no candy cutting. Look, just because you're a charismatic Christian or a Pentecostal Christian or Holy Ghost Christian doesn't mean you get out of these things. All right. You can't pray your way out of the end time. All right? Jesus said this is what it's going to be. I don't care. To be honest with you, I like it. Because I've got in my mind already straight, good and bad, heaven and hell, devil and God. It's already straight in my mind. And I'm going on God's side and I'm on his team and whatever comes, comes. And just tell me, Lord, if I can shoot or not. That's all I need to know. I'm sorry. It sounds terrible, but I'm just telling you, that's all I need to know. When do we lock and load and when do I need to just say, okay, all right? But I want, to notice, I want you to notice something here. I can't tell you what verse it is because I have the scripture written down here, but it says, uh, many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. And when I saw that, it leaped off the page to me. I thought, oh, my gosh, there's another whole message there. If you, if you get offended with anyone, hear what I'm saying? If you get offended with anyone, it is the devil's tactic to take you out of your place. If you get offended, you become you get on the road to betrayal and hatred. So what I'm trying to tell y'all is I see a lot of people right now that I know to be Christians, and they're up in arms about everything. Oh, this is going to be water. Oh, They're getting offended about everything. And I'm saying, look. The road to offense isn't going to get you where you need to be because it says you're going to end up going to the, down the road of betrayal and hatred. That's not what we need to do. We need to be wise, the Bible says, as serpents and gentleness does. We need to be understanding the times we're in and what's going on. That's why I'm trying to convey this. Don't let yourself get all offended. Listen, I know what's going on in Washington. I know what those people are doing up there, okay? And I could get up here today and tell you all the crazy things and this and that and the other and talk about, you know, the, the, the atrocities that are taking place in Washington, but it ain't going to do me any good to get offended and all bent out of shape about that. I need to know what the gospel says. I need to know what this says, because if I know what this says, then I can deal with whatever's coming. And if I get offended, I'm only going to be over here on the road of hatred and betrayal. And so I want to stay out of that. So it's not like I'm uncaring about, What's going on? I just realized, okay, you guys are crazy. Now, Lord, where do I need to be? How do I need to position myself in this? That's all I'm knowing. Well, how do I position myself? How do I position myself in this situation? Because you guys are crazy. You're, 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 you're totally giving over to the devil and all the demonic thoughts in the world. And it's just a... a, a phew. I mean, folks, come on. I mean, there's some things going on that you just don't... You don't need, I mean, it's sad. But there's no sense me standing up here and getting on that soapbox and beating that dead horse because it's a dead horse. I don't want to get offended because I need to stay not, not in hatred and not in anger. I need to be wise right now to help y'all and lead y'all in the right direction and make sure that y'all are, y'all are in the places you need to be so that we can hear the voice of God and knowing what we need to do for the next step because, folks, I'm telling you, Jesus already told me what's going to come, and it ain't good. This is not conspiracy theory right now. Today, I'm telling you, there are, there are powers that be that want America to fall. Because if America falls, then there is no police force. There is no one to stand against them, and they can go do whatever they want to do. And I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that there are people in government today that think they have a good agenda and they're trying to push it because they're deceived. They don't know. They do not see the truth. And they don't realize they're just being manipulated by the enemy to destroy this nation of godliness so that, that we stand against the enemy. But I'll have to tell you something, church. It is all a part of God's plan, the end times coming in anyway. All right. Jesus told us right there in Matthew 24. All right, so it shouldn't be a surprise to us. But I, wanna, I believe as Christians, we're supposed to fight for as long as it takes to keep godliness. Like in the, the elections coming up, I believe you better get out and vote, right? You better vote as much as you can. Are they going to steal it? I don't know. Is it going to get counted right? I don't know. But I'm going to vote. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do everything that I can to, to, to see that we need to be involved in everything from our local government all the way up through, right? And if it changes And everything turns around and America's bought a few more years. Well, then fine. But I do know the end's coming because the Bible tells me the end's coming. Is it going to come in my lifetime? I don't know. Is it going to come, you know, when? I don't know. But I just know that the end is coming. And I know that today I'm closer than I was yesterday. And so is this it? I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that says this is it. This is the end of it. I don't know. But I just know this. If I keep close to Jesus and keep my head on straight, I'm gonna know what's going on. Amen. And I'm gonna do what Jesus tells me to do, and I want to live my life, and I'm gonna get through, and I'm gonna step over into glory, and it's gonna be glorious. Amen. Hello? And I wanna take all y'all with me. Amen. So you don't want to get offended because offended is just gonna take you down the road of hatred, a road of anger. It's gonna not do anything for you. It's gonna cloud your judgment. Okay? So now look at Acts 26. Acts 26. Verse 12, 26 12. This is a story of when Paul is speaking to Agrippa and he's telling a story of what went on. And so he said, While I was thus occupied as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me. And those who journeyed with me, when they and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it's hard for you to kick against the goads. And so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus and whom you're persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both to the things which you have seen and the things that you have yet to be revealed to you. And I will deliver to you the Jewish people and as well as from the Gentiles, to whom I will now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from the darkness to light. Note this, turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Paul said right here that Jesus said, this is what we're in a struggle against. Light, dark, Satan, God. Do you see that? So it's just about which side are you on? While I was reading that, my mind was just running, and I thought of a story, and, and I don't know, yeah, I'll make it appropriate, but um, I was riding my Harley one day, my wife was with me, we were coming back from a little trip we took to Corpus, and I pulled into the gas station over in Hondo, and I rolled, rode my bike up there and stopped, and got in, and we got off, we went in there, and we were getting something to drink, and about that time when I was standing inside, man, I heard this rumble outside, I mean rumble. And I looked outside and a a large group of Hells Angels bikers, uh, no, excuse me, banditos, came into the gas station. Well, they have a policy when they come into a gas station, they take all the pumps, whether they're getting gas or not, because they shut the place down because they're there. You know, they're bigger and they're badder. And so I told Laura, I said, oh, my Lord, Jesus, help me. Uh, We got a whole herd of banditos out there and, you know, they love to pick on Bikers, because they call people like us posers who just ride bikes. And so <clears throat> this is where I'll try to clean the story up. So I was trying to get my wife to hurry up and get out of there, and I had, I had my concealed carry pistol on. And so I thought, mm, man, I only got seven shots, and there's a whole lot more than seven, unless I can get them lined <laughs> all up out there in some serious trouble. Ain't no sense even talking about that. And so I looked at my, I looked at my wife, and I said, look, sweetie, uh, we're going to make a break. And uh, I said, don't worry about what we just bought. Just, you know, just get rid of this stuff. As soon as we get out there, don't dilly-dally around on, on the bike. Just throw your helmet on. I don't care if your strap's on or whatever. Throw that baby on there. I'm firing it up. We're going to get out of here as fast as we possibly can. We're not going to sit around. Don't look at anything. Don't try to say, oh, I don't want to put this in here. I said, get on the bike and let's get out of here, Okay. And so we went out the store pretty quick and I was headed towards the bike and I was just about to throw my leg over it and this guy I see him. Here he comes. And I was like, oh Lord Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And so he's coming walking up, and you know, they wear the patches. It says 3%, you know. And you know, if you know what that means, that means that means they're bad. Excuse me, I said 3%, 1%. Yeah. And 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 so I knew, you know, that means they're really a bad guy. And so he's walking towards me, and I was like, oh God. You know, I'm telling always get it on the on And so the guy comes walking up. I mean, he's a bad-looking dude, and he walks up and he looks at me, puts his hands in his pockets, says, "Nice bike, man." I Said, "Thanks." <laughs> and then he turns and he walks off. I'm like, "Get on, let's go!" You know, fired that puppy up, run down the road, pulled over after a little bit, stopped, just right in town. It's got away from them, stop. You know, kicked it off. <laughs> Now we can strap the helmet on, do everything, you know. So I got to think about that. Isn't that funny? Because see that patch represented, I knew what he was. I knew who he was, but that's the way we should be with the devil. They should be coming and saying, oh, that's one of them 10% Christians read their Bibles. Whew. Watch out for them, man. They're bad. They don't know. Something. That's the way you should be. You should have a little 10% patch on you. man, I'm a 10%. I'm a reader of the Bible. And the devil should look at you and say, oh God, here they come. Man, they're 10, crazy 10 percenters over there, man, they're coming. Maybe that's what we'll call the program, 10 percenters. Amen? That's the way it ought to be. The devil should shake in his shoes when you get stirred up. Because you understand what's going on, that it's a battle between good and evil. It's a battle between light and darkness. It's a battle between Satan and God. You already understand this. It's clear in your mind. You're not, you say, why is this happening? Well, you know why it's happening. It's the devil trying to get me off. Why did that person get offend me? Or why did that person do something and now I'm offended? Well, oh, watch it. The devil's just trying to get you off mark. You start noticing these things. You start seeing these things. The government's trying to put something out. And you say, look at that. Oh, look at that. Devil is trying to get me off. Right. It, becomes, it becomes evident to us. And that's what I'm trying to get us to do today. Open up our minds. We do not live in a leave, leave it to beaver world anymore. We do not live in this perfect, you know, great place that everything's all normal. Listen to you folks. You better be watching your wallet at all times. And I'm talking about the wallet of the Spirit so you don't get stolen from. That's the world we live in today. We need to be armed. We need to be ready. We need to be knowing what we're doing. Now, 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16. 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. The thing that gets in our way is our pride. Because we want to do things like we've always done things. And we want things to go the way we want things to go. Listen to me. When Jesus was born, the Jewish people were under Roman law. Now, they still bought and sold. They still had businesses. They still had a farm. They still had donkeys and pigs and chickens and cats and whatever else and sold meat and eggs and bartered and did this and that even though they were ruled by the Roman people. All right? And they still had a neighbor they were mad at. They still had somebody try to cheat them in business. They still had somebody that was godly. They had the religious sect over them, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What I'm saying is the world right now today is not really any different than it has always been. It's just that we're dealing with it on larger scales and things are easier for us. Right? Right? And so a lot of the things going on in life is the pride of life that comes into anybody. I don't care what place you're at in life. You can be poor as a snake and have a spirit of pride. Pride doesn't have anything to do with what you've accomplished in life. It's not that kind of pride. It's the kind of pride that makes you think, I want it to go this way. And if it doesn't go this way, I am going to force it to go this way. That's pride. Pride's not wanting to bow your knee to Jesus. Do you notice it says bow your knee? We want to be Christians. We want to be Christians the way we want to be Christians. That's what's wrong with the churches trying to preach a social agenda. They're trying to create Christians that can be whatever they want to be and do whatever they want to do. But we don't get that choice. No, we have to find out what the Word says that we should do, and then that's the kind of Christian we should be. The Bible's not going to tell you what to wear other than modest apparel. And then we get into that. Then we get all religiously. Well, what's modest? But I think that's pretty evident. And I don't know why people got to get it all messed up and go get over there on that. There's a lot of other things to be dealing with. But my point is, is that once you begin to have clarity of vision and you begin to understand what's really taking place in the world and that you are a Christian and you have bowed your knee to Jesus and Jesus, what do you want me to do? Then the world, it gets simpler When you get rid of the pride of life because you're just simply saying, okay, Lord, here I am. What do you want me to do? How should I react to this situation? How should I handle this situation? And you just follow what the Holy Spirit says and you just go on and do it. All right? It's always these elements of the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, that are pulling on us, trying to get us off. It's the, what's trying to set up our normalcy bias. It's trying to affect us and get us and pull us here or there, or whatever. All the time I'm plagued with this little yappity yappity voice that, that says to me that if the church was really successful, we would be extremely large numbers. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus did never look for numbers. He looked for spiritual growth. And I'd rather have y'all right here being in the 10% group than I'd have three or 4,000 bunch of lunkheads. Why do I want social agendas and make everybody say, oh, what do you, I mean, oh, come on. And the truth of the matter is that they're always coming. These three things, these elements are always pulling at you, pulling at you, pulling at you. Trying to say, well, you're not successful. God didn't answer my prayers. I'm not at this place. It's always at you. It, all of us. It's the spirit of the world pulling and trying to get us off track. But if you understand and keep your vision right, right. and realize it's about life and I mean, it's about heaven and hell. It's about light and darkness and realize that this is what's going on. And you can keep your straight and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I bow my knee to Jesus. I'm, I'm carrying my cross and whatever's going on. They're just trying to knock me off. Oh, I'm not going to deal with you. You're not going to not get me off. That's not going to get me off. That's not going to get me off. No, I'm just going to serve you, Jesus, no matter what. Let me give you one more scripture. John chapter five. I hadn't even got to my preaching yet. This is introductory. Trying to get you primed here. John chapter 5, verse 1. Story when Jesus went to the pool of Bethesda. It says, After, the, after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to the Jerusalem. Now there were it, there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate Pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. And for an angel went down at the certain time of the... Uh, into the pool, and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. And a certain man was there who had been, had an infirmity for 38 years. 38 years. Now, 38 years this man's been lying there, and his normalcy biased, hear this, his normalcy biased after 38 years was that Everything was going to take place when the water's stirred and I'm down here and then the only way I can get healed is to go into the water. That had become his norm, all right? And Jesus walks up and messes it up. Jesus walks up and he says, when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he'd already been there in that condition a long time. And he said, do you want to be made well? So you got to understand something about Jesus. Jesus doesn't want to go with, and is not going to allow what the world is called normal to take place. Jesus rocks this world. Jesus shakes this world up. Jesus is not going to let everything just go along in a normal thing like that and not get shaken. And that's what he does. So he walks into the middle of the situation. And everybody's like, no, excuse me. Wait, 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 what are you doing? Well, you can't change that. Jesus' is like, Yeah, I can. I'm Jesus. I can change it. I'm Jesus. And so he goes in there and he said, Well, rise up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately that man was made willing, took up his bed and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Then the Jews therefore said unto him, He was cured. Is it, is it the Sabbath? It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to be carrying your bed. The dude's been in the bed for 38 years. And he's carrying his mattress and they're all up, up in arms. What? You can't carry your mattress. It's the Sabbath. What are you doing? You see, that's what happens to you when you get caught into these deceptions in life. You get so deceived, you're missing the miracle of the man being healed by looking at, oh, he broke a law. You're not supposed to carry your bed on the Sabbath. See, Jesus is not going to put up with this. I'm just telling you folks right now. He is looking for people who will be like this man at the pool of Bethesda that said, look, I'm tired of waiting for the waters to stir. Jesus ain't going to put up with this. In all this going on in the world, listen to me, there is going to be a change. There's going to be a shaking. There's going to be something going on, and I want to be at the side of the Christian. I want to be on the side of what the Bible says is true. I want to be on the side that says, Jesus, tell me to carry my bed. I'm going to carry my bed, and ain't nothing you're going to do about it. Amen. You don't like me carrying my bed? When well, you think you're big enough, come over and take it out of my hand. Because right. I'm doing what Jesus told me to do. Right? Yes. Look at churches. Churches all shut down. They shut churches down all across the world because of COVID. I don't want to argue the fact with you about this, that, or the other. I'm just saying, overnight, the government shut down churches. You say it can't happen? It can happen. But we're going to have church. Amen. We're going to have church whether like we did out in the parking lot or wherever we did and whatever we did, but I'm smarter now than I was then, and they're not going to get me on a sucker punch like that again. Amen. And I'm telling you, what? We're going to keep preaching the gospel, and we're going to keep going on, and they're not going to shut us down. Am I not. If they come in here and say, well, y'all can't have church unless you do this or that, I'm going to say, we're going to have church. Do whatever you want to do. There's other things that they have going on out there trying to, to needle us. It ain't going to make no difference. And so my point is, God gave us government. Do you hear what I said? Yeah. God gave us America. He gave us government. He set it up godly. And it's our right to defend it. Now, politics, that's of the devil. But government's set up by God. And if Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk, well, then we're going to pick up our bed and walk. And you have to get straight in your head if you're going to really see victory. If you're going to really see victory in all of this and take from this message today, you've got to get it straight in your head. Listen, are you a Christian? You're serving Jesus. If so, this is what we're going to do. Lord, I, I, I'm going to take up my cross and I'm going to walk with you. And that's the end of the story. This is about light and darkness. I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get all stirred up. I'm not going to get myself over in hatred and, 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 and offense. I'm going to keep myself straight, following you, Lord, what I want to do. And I think that is what's happened to Christians in America. I think we've been fat-eared and lazy. I'm just telling you the truth. I think that we have just been fat-eared and lazy I think we have gotten so accustomed to just going to church and let the preacher do everything, and and, and we've not done what we're supposed to be doing in life, and we're not like the other third world countries who have literally literally risked their lives to become a Christian. Like a a Chinese underground church, one of the largest churches, most powerful churches in the world today, and and you, you risk your life to go into that. Muslim countries, you go to become a Christian, your life is ended uh, here, I mean, we just try to figure out what flavors are the best, and who where we're we gonna get the best deal, and who's got the best program, and what we're we gonna do. You got every selection in the world in America. And we've just gotten fettered and lazy. And it's time for us to wake up and say, I'm a, I, I, this is something. I really am a Christian. <laughs> yeah, I bowed my knee to Jesus. He's the King of Kings, Lord. Lord, said, oh, he's coming back and we're going to win this thing. And we're going to go to heaven. And whoo, this is about light and darkness. And I, I'm on God's side, so I'm going to win. But Lord, prepare me for what I need to do. And we start to wake up. Amen. And then you're ready. Then you're ready for whatever comes. Amen. Amen. Well, stand to your feet if you would. Praise God. Can I have my prayer team come down? Now, listen to me. If you're listening to the broadcast, you're watching, you may say that's the craziest preacher I've ever seen in my life. Oh my gosh, I can't believe what he's talking about. That ain't what I heard in church. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not afraid to tell you what the gospel says. Neither are all these people out here that have come and given their lives to Jesus. Listen to me. The Bible's real plain, real simple, folks. He says, if you're not right with God, you know it in your heart. You already know whether you are right or not right with God. It's no, I, I, there's no dog and pony show that I need to put on to tell you if you know if you're right or not. You know it down on your side of your heart. If you don't know for sure you are, the Bible's simple. Simply says, if you will call out upon the name of Jesus, that you will believe that he is the Son of God, that he died on a cross for your sins, and that he arose from the grave for you, and you believe that with all of your heart, and you ask him to come into your life and forgive you of your sins, that you will be saved. It's that simple. It's not joining a church, there's no hoops to jump through. It's faith in your heart and confession of your mouth. So if you're out there watching or listening today, listen to me right there, wherever you are, you can just call out upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. You can just cry out and say, Jesus, come into my heart right now. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you arose from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. And right there, he will. He'll come into your heart and he will touch you. If you're in the building today, I got the prayer team up here. We will pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. Maybe this message has convicted you and you don't feel like you ever really bowed your knee to Jesus. Well, they're up here to pray with you. People are getting saved every week. Listen to me. If you need to just come up for prayer, you, maybe you need to just rededicate your life. Maybe whatever is going on. Listen, that's why we're here. Don't walk out those doors if you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Don't walk out the doors, I'm telling you. Come up front and pray with these people. It's not going to hurt. It's going to save your soul, and then you're going to be on the right path. But I want to pray for you, church, and I know I might have been a little rough today. I didn't think I was, so I was just having fun. But, you know, don't get offended because that's just going to put you on the road of betrayal and hatred, so don't do that. Don't get offended with me. Go research and look at what I'm saying. Go search your Bibles to seek out the truth. Read your Bibles and be a 10-percenter. Huh? Read your Bible and be a 10-percenter. Amen. Every morning when you're reading your Bible, pat yourself on the back and say, way to go, 10-percenter. But let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for this congregation. Pray for everybody listening and watching. Father, right now in Jesus' name that this message today would pierce through our hearts. All the cloudiness, all the things that are out there in the world that may get us off and, and, and we're trying to wonder about this or wonder about that. Lord, no, we just know, can see clearly what we're supposed to do is to serve you and to be your disciples. Lord, I thank you today for, for putting your hand upon each and every person and blessing them today. Letting the chains be broken off of their minds, letting them see with clarity, Lord God, the road that, and the path that's set before us. Lord, I pray right now that they that the, wake up and their eyes are open and that we see, Lord, like we've never seen before. Jesus, I praise you for it. Now, Lord, give us people this week to run across, to preach, to give us people this week and divine appointments and, and let us be aware and see them, Lord, so that we can win souls for the kingdom of God. Lord, bless them exceedingly abundantly today, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you, church. Amen, amen and amen.